This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Writing Project. OWP supports teachers from all over Ohio and celebrates the professionalism, expertise, and talent of our state's educators. Ohio Writing Project, teachers teaching teachers. Teachers to Ohio Writing Project's Write Answers podcast. I am Noah Waspy, coming to you from the wintry wilds of Laramie, Wyoming. And today we are going to close out our mini-series, our Moving Writers at NCTE 2019 mini-series. Uh, today you'll be hearing from Paige Timmerman, Kristen Bond, and Rebecca O'Dell. But before that, a poem. Risk by Anais Neen. And then the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. So today, as we close out this Moving Writers at NCTE miniseries, Paige Timmerman will be talking to us about students who struggle with writing and how we can use the writing workshop model to better reach these students. We'll also hear from Kristen Bond, who will talk about how we can use writing workshop to better teach college-ready writers. And then Rebecca O'Dell will be giving some brief closing remarks. In this episode's description, in addition to finding information on Ohio Writing Project's Spring 2020 workshops and a save the date for some special OWP summer events, you'll also find slides from all of the moving writers at NCTE presentations, and you'll also find Twitter handles from all of the moving writers team. They are all great Twitter follows. So without any further ado, let's get to it. We're going to be now hearing from first Paige Timmerman. Hi, my name is Paige Timmerman. I teach seniors at Salem Community High School in Salem, Illinois. I don't know why mine didn't convert over the right way. I did have my school name on there, so there might be some missing information in here. We'll just go with it. <laughs> um, I teach two levels of seniors. Um, one is like a dual credit class where they're getting college credit, and then the other is, um, I call it regular English. My school calls it remedial. Yeah, and it's just unfortunate. Um, because how hard do you want to work for somebody that calls you remedial? Um, so I've taught this class for a few years now, and this is really the class that I'm going to focus on in my presentation is these regular students. Um, and I've noticed that most of them don't have a deficit. They don't have a disability. They're just as intelligent as my <coughs> honors students. Um, but they're in this remedial class for other reasons. The student in the graduation cap and gown, um, her name is Cheyenne, and Cheyenne's every bit as smart as some of the students that I had um, in my honors class last year, but the only difference is Cheyenne had five or six brothers or sisters, and uh, none of them graduated from high school. And she always said, I had her for four years in my homeroom class, she always said, I'm gonna be the first one in my family to graduate. So I felt like it was such a huge honor that she asked me to take a picture with her. So um, 
this is kind of going out for those of you that teach the Cheyennes of the world. Um, in her four years of high school, she experienced more trauma and more death and loss than I have in my entire life. And that's just what I know from the four years that I was with her. Um, I, I have no idea what happened to her before that. I had her sister a couple years ago, and she dropped out on May 3rd. So that's, that's the kind of things that lead the students to be remedial and to be behind. And I say remedial in air quotes because she's obviously just as capable. Um, is she, she has a hard life, and academics are not her far, first priority, nor should they be, um, because sometimes eating and taking care of their siblings are their first priority. And because of that, they miss a lot of school, and they don't get caught up on their assignments, and they are behind, um, but I don't think that's a reason to treat them like they're any less capable. So when dealing with students like this, um, Whenever I was first introduced to workshop, I knew right away I wanted to use it with my honors class because I just love the possibilities and I love the freedom. But I was really resistant at first. How do I make this work for students that struggle, my Cheyennes that literally can barely get a sentence out because they've missed so much school. Um, so this is for you if you have Cheyennes and you want to use this method with these types of students that are a little more difficult to reach. So the first thing that I, I did whenever I thought about using writer's workshop in this style of class is I thought about my writing assignments. Um, all the examples that I had looked at from the professional texts that I had read focused on these large units of writing um, over several weeks. And absolutely, writer's workshop can work in those settings. Um, However, some students aren't ready for that. They don't have the stamina. Not that they don't have the capability, they don't have the stamina. So I reframed my senior regular English class as kind of a business and technical writing class. Now, disclaimer about that, I was resistant to do that at first because I didn't want to send a message like I was preparing my honor students for college, but I was preparing these students for the workforce. Um, so I was resistant about doing that at first. However, I realized these students are really interested in these real opportunities. They don't get a lot of joy out of school because they haven't been successful there. And so I wanted to give them opportunities to talk in writing about the things they are interested in. And what they're interested in is their jobs um, and what's, what they're going to do right after they graduate from high school. So I wanted to provide a platform and a space where they could still build the same analytical skills that my honor students were getting with the big units, but in a way that was engaging to them. So that's why I chose to frame the class that way. So um, some of the writing tasks we do in there, this is my student just a couple weeks ago, Nolan. He is practicing his interviewing skills. I have students write answers to interview questions, which is, when you think about it, a very analytical exercise. You have to consider your audience. What, what would this employer want me to say to this question? Um, you have to think about, how is this going to come off if I say this? What should I say? What shouldn't I say? So they practice writing those answers, 
and then they reflect on how that went. And they answer those analytical questions. What do I do well? Well, what made that go well? What do I need to still work on? Uh, I also have students do job shadowing. So this student, it was so cute. He didn't really have any career goals. And so I just had him job shadow in the cafeteria. And he said, I want to work in the cafeteria now. That was, that's his career goal, which, you know, is, is, is really good for him. Um, so this student in particular did this job shadow and all my students went out to the community and did a job shadow. And when they were finished, they had to answer those same types of analytical questions that my senior honor students are being asked, just framed in a different way. What went well? What was impactful to you? Are you still considering this career? Um, what's your plan now that you've seen this in action? I've also gone out into the community a little bit to have my students find authentic writing tasks. I had a representative from the community college, the local community college come in and they had a program out that not a lot of students were taking, taking advantage of. So they wanted some students to create some advertisements and some flyers. So I had this representative come in and act kind of as our um, client and my students interviewed him. What would you like out of this product? What kind of vision do you have? So they asked some of those analytical questions and then they created a product and then they defended their choices. My school is 50% poverty. So we have this big closet in our uh, basement of our school with supplies that students can use that they're not getting from home. And so I had them do an advertisement for the closet. And this time, I didn't have any parameters. They could make whatever they wanted. And it's just amazing what they'll come up with whenever you don't put a lot of structure onto what they have to create. So these students were really techie, and they were on the Wild News, or the Wild News um, is our news broadcast. Um, and they created this uh, commercial where they snapped their fingers, and the shoes changed from the old ruggedy shoes to the really nice shoes. And they put it on the news. And a lot of these students, I was kind of nervous about this because a lot of them are the recipients of the things in the closet. And they just loved it. They just thought everybody should know about this and they just got so into it. I have a wireless document camera and I love it. <laughs> I wrote about it a couple months ago. And um, it's just amazing. <laughs> it just changes everything. Um, so anyway, when it comes to doing mini lessons in my classroom, with my honor students, it's very much, you know, looking back at mentor text and continuing to realize the possibilities that we can have in this genre. With my regular students, usually it's about damage control. Once they get something on a piece of paper, it's usually pretty messy. So it's about going back and looking back over what we're doing um, wrong so that we can elevate it and make it better. So what I do a lot is I will display student work that's going well, because I don't think anybody in here would disagree. You don't want to put somebody that's a mess under the document camera. Well, I want to have that kind of thing. <laughs> That's how I felt whenever I got it. 
<laughs> so, um, so somebody that's doing something well, for example, whenever my students write resumes, my boys don't pay any attention to spacing. It's just all over the place. So I will have somebody that's doing it particularly well, typically a girl, and um, show them, look, look how this spacing, do you see how the spacing in every section is even? And they go, oh yeah. And I said, you know, that's what you, that's what you want it to look like. <laughs> and I always reward students. I have these reward cards, which I know I teach seniors, but they love getting these things. Um, th that was a really good sentence today. Let me give you this reward card. Or thank you for letting me share your writing today. Let me give you this reward card. And it's just amazing for students that aren't used to being told they're good writers because they're in the remedial class, right? Um, to be rewarded and to see that somebody notices the good work that they're doing. Um, I usually let them cash them in for different things. Oh, that's it. Anyway. Uh, um, I, well, my phone went off. Um, anyway, but I don't like to just do extra credit. So. Um, what I've done in the past is I'll let them cash these reward cards in for different things like um, getting to choose which response prompt that they want to respond to. So like at the end of the semester I'll have five choices and then I'll tell them on the day of the exam I'll randomly select two. But if you give me some reward cards then you can select your own and that's a, a good way to use them without just three points. Okay, I think I had another slide but I can go ahead and give it over to the next person. All right, Kristen. Hello, um, I'm Kristen Bond, and I am currently working at the American Community School of Abu Dhabi. And I say that because three days ago, I would have been asleep three hours ago. Um, I am very jet lagged, so if I all of a sudden stop talking, that is why. Um, and you can see that I teach grade 10 English, AP Lit, and IB Lang and Lit. Um, and I will be focusing today on how the workshop model, I feel, really helps me get all of my students um, college ready. So, um, when we think of students going uh, to college or into the real world, we have this buzzword, 21st century skills. We are now 20-ish years into this buzzword. So when you go on um, the Google, they are starting to say lifelong learner traits. I like to say contributing to the common good human being traits, just like what we all should be, you know. Um, and when you go on the Google, there's all these, you know, good communicator, good collaborator, digital literacy skills, but I want to focus on being self-directed and being reflective. And I feel um, just as what Mike said, you want to show what's important. And these are two things that I show every day that's important. And the workshop model has helped me do this, and I'll explain that a little bit. So if you're familiar with Tom Shimmer, he is a, uh, an assessment guru, also a fellow Canadian of mine. And three, four years ago, I think it was, he came to my school and he said this, it's your grades that will get you into college, it's your approaches to learning that will keep you there. And these terms, self-directed and reflective, are those approaches to learning. And at the same time as when I saw Tom Shimmer, I saw Stevie Quaite at my school. Um, and she introduced me to the workshop model. And I had heard about it before, but I'd never really um, done it with validity. And this like transformed how I teach and really what I show teach our students what matters in my classroom. And 
So we had um, Megan show these principles of writing workshop, and in my classes, even in my AP, just as Hattie does, I do these. We do all the writing, all the reading, all the mini lessons, all of this stuff. Um, and you really do have to make the workshop your own because, like they said, it isn't the elementary kind of system. But um, Hattie also talked about explaining the connections. And that's the rabbit hole that I want to take you down for the next six minutes. Um, but I need to take two little detours. And one is when I was in school, I really thought that teaching was like this magical process. I didn't know how I was learning. I just sort of learned and I was good at school. And so I thought teachers were just kind of like giving me this way to be successful. Um, and so I wondered when I became a teacher, I'm like, wait, there are all these things that we are actually doing and why was it made invisible to me? And what are the best ways that I can kind of like show that wizard behind the curtain to my kids? Second detour is yesterday, um, if you were in this session, um, Emily Callahan and Debbie Miller showed an elementary school classroom where their main focus question was, how will I learn today? And if you would have seen me when they showed that question, my jaw would have been hitting the floor because this is the same question that I ask my kids, even my grade 12s, in the very first week of school. And it's this how question. This is like the core of everything. If students know how they're learning, if they can name it, they can transfer ownership. They will take ownership over it, which increases metacognition, which allows them to strategically guide their learning. And so the very first week of school, my students put this in their notebook. How will I learn? And we talked about it being an active place in their book. We go back to it all the time, and they add to it. This is one student, um, I took a picture of her notebook a little while ago, and up to this point in the year, we have done, or had done, eight different kind of tools and strategies. Um, I zoomed in a little bit on three of these. So we have the brain dump in her writer's notebook, we have conferring, we have a visual thinking strategy, success gap moving forward. And in the blue writing, she's writing down what it helps her do, and maybe when she's going to do it. And on the right-hand side, um, she reflects on that skill. And that is the transfer of moving it from me doing it to her into her knowing when she wants to use this strategy, if it works for her, if she likes it. So that as we move throughout the year, they get to start choosing how they want to learn when we're doing um, whatever writing or reading skill that we are doing. Um, and this is really where I feel that I see the meaning making happening and where that magic that I didn't see before is starting to become visible for my students. Um, and it really did start with the writer's workshop, all those core principles. Um, and I use this analogy with my kids. So, and I, I chose Caesar salad this time because I just had a Caesar salad the other night, so it was just fresh in my brain. And it was delicious, by the way. Um, but you can go to a restaurant and you can order deconstructed food. And you can get a deconstructed Caesar salad. Now, I would never order this, just a disclaimer, like don't postmodernize my food. Just like give me the food, you know. But it is a nice way for them to see that when we deconstruct things, we can see the different parts. And we can choose which parts we want to use. And it just simplifies it. And this deconstruction, it really does nurture these approaches to learning that I want them to be taking ownership of. Um, and it's 
it's really, I, we're still in like the beginning part of the year right now with my seniors, but I love seeing that growth where they do start to take ownership of it. They're talking to their friends. They're using that list. They go back to it in their books and they're saying, what am I gonna use today? Or they might ask a friend, what do you think we should use today? And it really is um, giving them all these access points and not just what does Ms. Bond want me to do today, right? They come into the classroom saying, how am I gonna engage today? Um, so then that, I feel, it takes the teacher magic and it shifts it into the student. And I love um, when that transition happens. And I want to close today with um, some research that uh, Dr. Hendry Weisinger and Dr. J.P. Plow Fry do. They talk about the difference between stress and pressure. Stress is when we don't have the tools, the skills, the knowledge, the support to be able to be successful at something. Whereas pressure is we have all of those things, but there are other influences that are not allowing us to use them, and so then we can't be successful. And they give an acronym for people who perform really well under pressure. There's four things that they all have in common. And their acronym is called a coat of armor. And the four things are, if you are confident, optimistic, tenacious, and enthusiastic, you will perform well under pressure. And I feel that in getting students to be reflective, which turns them into being self-directed learners, when we make that magic visible, they transfer it into their own, they take ownership of it, and they gain these skills. And in gaining these skills, I feel like we are really preparing them well to go to college and just to go into life and be really good people. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs>